Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, we praise God for you being able to come out to our Christmas service. Why don't we just say Merry Christmas together? Ready? Merry Christmas. Isn't this a fun time of year? Praise the Lord. We're looking back at the year, right? And you can't help but at Christmas time to reevaluate your year. You know, look back at all the good things and the crazy things and the bad things, because right around the corner is the new year coming right around. So we can't help it. But you know, one of the things that we've talked about in this series, if you've not heard the other parts of this series, you can go to our website. We've got it there, podcasted. But on the series, we've said that, that, that life is complicated. And part of the complications of life is that there are problems we can't solve. There are people we can't control. And there are expectations we can't meet. And so it makes life really dim and dark and weird and crazy. But we kind of manage it, you know what I mean? You just kind of figure out, like, life is just like that. You, the older you get, the more you realize that. And one of the things that we kind of understand and we kind of know is that life is good and it's bad. Good, bad. You take the good with the bad. You take the bad with the good. But you kind of know it's good and bad. I mean, some of you all entered into relationships this year, and you're like, this is good. This is good. Then you found out about their baggage. You're like, this is bad. This is bad. This is a person got a lot of bad stuff to them. You entered into a job. You're like, this is a career. You got into it three months. You're like, this is a job. This is just a job. I'm just trying to survive in this job, right? Things are just kind of good. They're kind of bad. I mean, and that's life, right? You're just good and bad. And you, I mean, all of a sudden, you kind of realize that But then there are these moments where it goes from good and bad and good and bad, and then it gets worse. I mean, because there's kind of this cycle that we hope, right? It's good and bad, but it's going to get good again because, you know, it's good, bad. But then there are these moments where the thing, like the thing you didn't want to happen, happens. Like it got worse. Like, hey, if this happens, I'm going to go crazy. Then it happens. You're like, is it time to go crazy? I'm going to lose my mind, right? And if you've ever been in those situations, you know that you kind of feel filled up with this crazy anxiety. My wife and I, when we moved here, February 6th of 2013, we moved up from Atlanta, we had a house down there, and all of a sudden we move into this apartment slash shoebox that we were living in, right, paying all this money for. And so we finally get this apartment, right? So we get this apartment, and we're barely making rent. I mean, we're barely getting by. I mean, the, the, fun, the dough is low, right? funds. I mean, he's just trying to pay everything out. Well, we had a guy that gave us $3,000 for us to be able to, you know, start this church. Well, while we're trying to pay rent, they let me know that that give was actually loaned. So he wanted his money back. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And I kind of knew it was a loan in my soul, but I thought it was like a lowercase loan. Like I'll pay you back when I can, but I couldn't and he didn't care. So I had to pay him back. Right. So now I got to pay back this cat. We had a house down in Raleigh. We owned a house. And while owning it, the, uh, I remember the garage door broke. And so we, and when you own a house, you have to, you know, you got to pay for that. So the people were living in it. So now we're going to pay for this garage door that's broken. I got to pay back this guy, right? In the midst of all that. So now it's like good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, trying to grow the church, meeting people all around, you know, good, bad. We had a church that was going to give us $30,000 
to start this church. They decided in 2013 that they were going to change their practice, and instead of giving money, they were going to give encouragement. How many of y'all know, how many of you know you can't eat encouragement? Amen, right? Right? Like, I, I, so this is what's happening. I'm literally on the phone with these people. What, so I was given a workshop this missionary house we have in Park Slope called the David E. Missionary House, or denomination has it, right? So we're in the missionary house. I'm giving this workshop. Pause, intermission. I got to take this phone call. Give me a second, guys. I'm giving a workshop on encouraging church planners on how to make it, right? So I'm, I'm call, get the call, like, yeah, we're not going to pay that money. So now I got to finish this workshop out. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, guys, God is good. But my brain is like going crazy, right? So I lived probably about three or four blocks away from that, that missionary house. So I'm walking back, and all of a sudden you hear that, that rain start coming down. And, you know, it's just, you know, when you start hearing the rain, it's just like, you know, it's starting to rain. So I do that little old man jog where you just kind of like tap your feet back and forth. You know, it's like, let me get home, you know. And then all of a sudden it's just, and it is pouring. And I am completely soaked. And I just gave up the old man jog. I just walked, and I'm just soaked walking in the rain. There's nothing I can do. And it was a metaphor for my life because when it rains, it what? Pours, right? Sometimes it goes good, bad, good, bad, but sometimes the thing, the very thing you like, if this happens, I'm a wild out, go crazy, get anxiety, be depressed, all that. I'm gonna just drink, smoke, do whatever, go to the club, be in the club, whatever you do. When you start wilding out, you're like, I'll go crazy. If that one thing happened, the one thing happens. Like the worst thing that could happen. And all of a sudden, when it happens, how do you respond? How do you take that in? How do you react when life is just crumbling right before you? And I remember when being soaked in that rain and I had to tell my wife that this church was going to send us letters of encouragement, not checks. Praise God. And you had some moments like that this year, didn't you? Right? You had some days this year where you were just like, oh, I'm going to lose my mind. If, it, if this one more thing happens, and then it happens, you're like, oh, snap. Okay, God, well, you just don't love me then, okay? Right? I mean, you just had, there was just a situation that just crumbled in your hands, like, oh, my gosh. And that just wasn't 2018. There's going to be another moment like that because that's life. Life goes from good, bad, and sometimes life goes from bad to worse. And there's some seasons where it feels like bad, worse, bad, worse. And grammatically, is worse a word, praise God? Because sometimes it gets worser, right? Sometimes health can get worser. Sometimes friendships, relationships, marriage, they get worse. That's life. And you cannot understand the Christmas story if you do not understand that it was a story of life going from bad to worse. Oh, yes, that's the Christmas story. At the time, it was bad, y'all. It was bad. You see, you got to understand Roman oppression. Roman oppression was essentially like colonization, gentrification, all the other Asians, right? They come in and you say, that land, that's not yours no more. That's mine. Thank you. And I'm going to tax you, and I'm going to oversee you, and I'm going to rename things because we are more powerful than you. 
That's what Rome was doing. So think of like New York City. What if New York City started annexing different areas so they could grow, right? So let's say they took on Long Island and made it part of the city. Let's say they made Staten Island part of the city. Joke, wink, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, um, listen. So, you know, they're, they're trying to expand, they're trying to expand their reach, right? So this is all happening. 500 people are being crucified a day. These are your friends being crucified. So Jesus' Jesus's crucifixion, that wasn't uh, uh, an abnormal thing. That was part of the day for Jews. The Jews were constantly being oppressed in their own city because Jerusalem was the city of David. They were being taken over by the Romans in their own city. But just like life, good and bad was happening. So in the midst of all this bad stuff happening and all this oppression, well, at the time, the way that marriages worked, they were generally prearranged by parents. So, you know, couples didn't meet. Their parents would meet. And their parents would say, hey, I think your son would be good for my daughter. They'd say, I think my daughter would be good for your son. And they come together and they would make the marriage. Now, you say to yourself, that's kind of odd. It is. But there's no friend zone. There's no drama. You know what I'm saying? So there's some benefits, huh? Yes. But you get all that dealt with, and all of a sudden, you're meeting this person for the first time. And it's like, we're going to be married. And, and you know, they, they, at the time, you know, you're dealing with garb where you can only see your eyes. So, you know, Joseph's like, yo, she's fine, at least in the eyes. She got that fine eyes, pretty brown eyes. Right? All you can see are her eyes. That's all you can see are her eyes. So you're just like, oh, her eyes, brown, bad. She's got some bad eyes, girl. So, so he sees her eyes, right? He's love. It's like we're growing in our relationship. But then something bad happens because it's good and bad, right? And so in the midst of all this, an angel comes to Mary. The angel says, basically, Mary, you're going to have a baby. I know you're engaged, right? I know you haven't done anything to have a baby, but... You're going to have a baby. And she's like, how's that going to happen? This is what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside of you will be called the Son of God. Mary's like, what? So wait a minute, the Holy Spirit's going to give me a baby? Okay. Wow. And Mary's just like into it. She's like, okay. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. Oh, but this is public shame. Because she's going to have to tell the world she's having a baby and no one's going to believe her. She can barely believe it. But one day she has to call up Joseph. And she's like, do, 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 do. Hey, what you doing? Oh, my God. What you doing? You chilling? You chilling, though? You chilling? <laughs> yeah. What you do today? You made, you, made, you made some tables? You crazy. Such a good carpenter. Oh, my God. I love the way you just do that with the sawdust. You're so good with that stuff. Oh my God, it's so good getting to know you. But um, so I'm going to tell you something crazy that happened. You're not going to believe me. Nah, really, fam, you're not going to believe me. Um, so, like, I know, you know, I'm not out there like that, but, like, um, like, I'm pregnant. I know. Listen, jo- Joseph, chill, chill. It was the Holy Ghost. 
Hello? Hello? Look what it says. Look what it says. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Look what it says. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not waiting to disgrace her, publicly decided to divorce her secretly. I don't know how we missed this part of the story. Joseph was like, nah, I don't believe you. I don't believe the Holy Ghost did it. I don't, it's holy. Some, some, there's a holy around here, but it wasn't no Holy Ghost. I don't believe you. It's a divorce. So she's probably trying to explain it, and he's like, nah, I'm not with this relationship at all. Now it says being a righteous man, meaning he could have put her on blast. But he said the best thing I can do is instead of shaming her publicly, I will keep her around privately, but I'll just get a divorce. So people might still think we're together. I won't put her on blast. I won't do any screenshots. I won't put it on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm a good guy, right? So this is what happens. While all this is going down, an angel comes to Joseph. Matthew 1, verses 20 through 21. Joseph, the angel says to him, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph was like, oh, wow. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph's like, okay, girl. He steps to her. He's like, you know what? Angel came to me too, okay? I believe you. I believe you. I know, I know, I know, I know we went through a lot, but I believe you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take on, because every month people are going to know something, and they're going to shame me and you. So every month together, I'm going to stick by your side, because I know God spoke to me. So I trust God. I trust God over the shame. We're going we're to work through this together, girl, right? We're going to work through it, me and you. But then one day... A town crier would have come into the city. Hear ye, hear ye, we want to announce that there will be a registration happening for all the peoples of Rome. It says in Luke chapter 2, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Think about this now. The, the whole empire is saying the first registration took place while Quirinus, Quirinus was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Oh, man. You got to understand what's happening here, you see, because the registration is happening only for one reason alone. The Romans want to know how many people are in all the places that they have annexed and taken over. They want to know how many people you have and how many possessions you have, how many kids you have, because the more you have, the more we'll take. This is about taxes. And they were trying to rob the people in their own hometown. So he's sitting there like, registrate? Look, look at what the government is doing now. These folks, I tell you, that's Caesar Augustus. Boy, he'd be tweeting this. Oh, my bad. But he'd be just saying crazy stuff. I mean, it's just one thing after another, after another. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, I can't trust this guy who's leading all of this. I mean, it's like they want to take more from me. It's like they don't even like me. I think he's a racist. racist. I don't know what's going on with this guy. I think he's trying to kill me. Right? So he's upset. But wait a minute. Hold up, hold up. 
When is the, um, hey, when they say the registration was? It's happening December 25th. Now, for all my Bible nerds who are like, I don't know if it's December 25th. Can we talk about that later? Can we just kind of, this is, we're in a story here, okay? Praise God. Y'all know what I'm saying? He was, bo- was he born? All right. So, <laughs> so, Joseph goes, December 25th, Mary, how far? When do you do December 25th? Oh, my goodness. You see, it, it, the, te- the text tells us that Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. You see, David's family, his line, you know, everybody has a, a homestead, you, they're like where your place of origin is. And if your place of origin was Bethlehem, even though you lived in Nazareth, now how far away is Nazareth from Bethlehem? 85 miles. Nine months pregnant, traveling 85 miles. Do you think about the anxiety that David has to go, rather Joseph has to go through to think about having to travel with his wife 85 miles while nine months pregnant? But you got to remember that this is a caravan, that these are family and friends that are walking with them while they're there. They're still having to deal with the shame that they're pregnant. This would have taken about seven days, night after night. She's tired. Are they going to have the baby there on the way? Are they going to be on the road having a baby? What will they do? The anxiety, the pressure. And in Joseph's mind, he's thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, keeps going from bad to worse, bad to worse. I mean, the registration, now my baby. So they're gearing up. They're getting ready for it. They make the trip. Now, as they get closer and closer and closer to Bethlehem, it says, Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. <sighs> Joseph, I can't go no more. I got out of this baby. He's like, baby, you can hold out. She's like, shut up. Let's go. Let's find <laughs> Got to find a place. This is your fault. I mean, praise God. This is the Holy Spirit's fault. But anyway, help me. Get, come on. We got to find a place. So it says in verse 7, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them. They were going slower than everybody else because she's pregnant. All her family members are filling up the rooms. And the homestead, the place that he would go back to, his place of origin, the house he would go to, he knocks on the door. He sees his uncle or whoever it may be and say, hey, we're, we're here. And Mary's about to have this baby. And they're like, I'm sorry. See, you understand in a culture where hospitality is high, there's no moving around rooms. That's their room now, the people that were there. You would have had basically three spaces to put people in. You have, a, you have the family area where all the husband and wife and kids would stay, but then you'd have a guest room. And then you'd have a little shed that you'd put animals in, a domestic area of animals, and you'd have the food for the animals there. Where, where, hey, man, you see my, you see my wife, right? Where, where, where are we staying? Bruh. 
All we got is the shed, man. All right. He takes his wife. Now they're, they got all these animals. The baby's coming. They're so tired. Seven days of travel. They're so, it's like, oh my gosh. But then they have the baby. Oh, the baby's there. It's beautiful. He's holding the baby. Mary's so tired. She traveled all that way and then had a baby and Joseph is holding the baby and his arms are getting heavier and he says, honey, I got to get some rest. She goes, okay, well, let's put the baby down. Where? Maybe on that hay. Baby, we can't put the baby on hay. Well, maybe we can, maybe we can go in the guest room. There's no room up there. Joseph looks around, and he sees a a manger. I'm sorry. I know that the manger you saw, like, when you were going to see the Christmas lights was, like, really dope and nice, and it's, like, had all this hay, and the baby was, like, glowing. That's not what was going on. A manger, even in Latin, the word manger means to chew. That is a bowl. That's all a manger is. It's a feeding trough. And the only thing you put in the manger are food scraps for animals. You do not lay a baby in a manger. Now, we've gotten used to saying baby in a manger. That's a baby in a bowl. That's what that is. It's a baby in a food bowl. I mean, it's like a dog bowl. Any kind of bowl that you have to feed animals. Thank you. Praise God. You know? And so they put them in there. The situation keeps getting worse. Now, Mary, Joseph, they lay their baby. After all that traveling, they lay him in a manger. And they're tired. And they're worn out. And Joseph's probably like me. You know, you're looking at your baby and you're happy, but meanwhile, you're like, how did I get here? It's that Caesar, man. Caesar's always doing crazy stuff. And the baby, I mean, this is crazy. And then I'm sure there was a moment there where they started getting frustrated with God too. I mean, God, if I'm having the son of God, why am I not in a throne room? Why am I here with this manger? Why is my plan not working out? Why is life so crazy right now? If, if Joseph is any bit like me, Joseph was losing his mind. Anxiety most likely filled their heart. This, I know I saw an angel, but is this true? What we learn is this in Luke chapter 2. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of David. A Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And then in Luke chapter 2, listen to what he says. Look at what he says. You got to see what he says. It was crazy. He says, the angels are saying this to them. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly 
in cloth and lying in a manger. The shepherds must have been perplexed. What do you mean a baby in a food bowl? That makes no sense, much less a savior in a food bowl. What do you mean? How will this person save themselves when they can't manage to get a room to have a baby? I don't know. But that was the sign. If this was the sign, church, if Jesus was truly born in a manger, I don't know where you're at today, I don't know what you believe, but if Jesus was truly born in a manger, then of all the ways to tell a story, this is a wild way. And of all the signs, why wasn't the sign of this Savior, why wasn't it, you know, stars aligning and just spelling the name Jesus or something like that? Why wasn't it just angels coming down from heaven and just laying the baby right there? Why was the sign a manger? Well, if they had went to Bethlehem and looked for a baby, they would have seen a lot of babies. If they went to Bethlehem and they were looking for any kind of like home, they would have found many homes, but there were no babies in mangers. The sign to find the Savior was one of the worst situations you could imagine. And oftentimes, we presume we will find the Savior when our situation or our circumstances work out we may presume that in the best of circumstances, Christ is at work. But I want to proclaim to you that God does his best work in the worst situations. It is when it's the worst. Oh, yes. It is when everything is failing. I mean, when the bank account is just incredibly low. And I mean, it's minus, minus, minus. I mean, so bad. I mean, your, your bank account says, ouch, when you try to get money out of it. It's a bad situation, right? You don't know what's going to work out. And the job you thought is not working. And the friendships you thought were not working. Nothing's working. But why does God work when nothing is working? Why? You see, because in this room, if I were to get a light and light it up right now, I would see some of you and it would be wonderful. But if I turned all the lights off and I shined a light from my hand, you would see it because the light would be shining in the darkness. Light shines the greatest when the darkness is the greatest. You see, God works his greatest work in your worst moments and you think you're going you're gonna to fall apart. You think you're going to be filled with anxiety, but God set that situation up so you could meet with him. God uses trial. He uses, if God came in a manger, he will come in your manger moment. When you are at your worst moment, when you are like, this is the worst. Oh man. <laughs> okay. If this happens, I'm gonna go crazy. You won't go crazy. You're going to worship. You're going to trust God. You're going to believe God for more because God did not set it up for you to be anxious. He did not set it up for you to go crazy. Your life is not going to fall apart. You're going to come back together and you're going to trust God even more because if Jesus was born in a manger, God can work out any situation. God said, I want to be born there. I want to be born right there. No, 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 no chariots. No, no, because I don't want to think people, I move when only chariots move. No, 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 no. No, 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 no palace. I don't want to think people that people to think I can only be seen in the high places. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I don't want to be on a mountaintop. No, no, no. Meet me in the valley. Meet me in the valley because the light shines the brightest in the darkness. When you sought out God, when you were really seeking him out, 
when you were really praying fervently, when you were trusting God and seeking him out. It wasn't when your circumstances were banging, right? It wasn't when everything was working out. It was when you had nothing else and Jesus was all you had. He was the only light in the midst of all your darkness and Jesus shines the brightest in the midst of darkness. It is in that moment that Jesus breaks forth into the world. And I wanna encourage you tonight, in 2019, there are gonna be moments when it goes worse, worser, worsest. Your health, there's no guarantee. I want you to know, 2019 you have plans, but your plans aren't a promise, right? There, God's promise is his presence. It is to be with us throughout all things. He shines brightest in the darkness. And it is our attitude, it is our response. You've got to look at the manger scene again. You've got to see Jesus being born again. You've got to see how your Savior entered into the world and rescued you again. And look again, look at that manger scene again and see the pain. Because some of y'all are feeling this moment of our government right now. You're looking at our government and you're like, this is crazy. Pause. Could somebody help out that situation? I think that is my lineage, praise God. And so, thank you. You know, back in the day, you used to be able to give them that look like. Oh, they in there. No, it works for me. It works 1138 Ocean Avenue. It definitely works still. Praise The blood has not lost its power, praise God. All right. All right. Oh, hallelujah. All right, back to the sermon. But... Um, I'm just saying, yo, when it gets worse, that's when all, your, when, when all your habits come up, right? That's when all your strongholds be like, hey, things are bad, isn't it? But I'm here for you, okay, okay? Come on, let's go out tonight. That's when that old friend calls up, right, when it gets worse. See, when it gets worse, misery loves company. And you, and you start to kick it with misery. And there's something that feels good bathing in your sorrow. There's something that feels good about just wallowing in anxiety. But that moment was not meant to be defined by anxiety. It was, to be de- it was meant to be defined by worship. That you would seek God in the worst. Well, the shepherds, Luke 2, the shepherds, they hurried off. And they found both Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds said to them, they were amazed. You know why they were amazed? Because you're in there with all these animals, the baby's lying in the manger, the animals smell like animals. You know what shepherds smell like? They smell like sheep. You know what sheep smell like? Sheep, praise God. This is like, so I mean, the sheep walk walk in and they bring the funk, you know what I'm saying? And it's already nasty up in there. So they're just like, and the shepherds are like, I know we, we funky, but just listen, an angel came to us too and they told us to look for a baby lying in the manger. The, the person you thought was Jesus, the person you thought was the son of God, that's him. They told us that, so they're amazed by that. Mary is so tired. She's so worn out. But the thing that God told her gets confirmed. 
Her situation hasn't changed yet. It's still funky in there. Her baby's still in a manger. But God confirmed his word, even though he didn't change the circumstance. And so here he is. Here they are. Okay, I trust you. I believe you. Okay, God. I don't see anything changing, but I know you're good. Okay, God. I, I believe you. I mean, okay, this baby is, is really the son of God. I'm going to trust you now. And here's what it looked like to trust for Mary. She sat in that shed. It says, verse 19, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Mary sat there and said, okay, God. Okay, God, I'm not going to freak out. I'm tired. I'm not going to freak out. I trust you, God. I believe you, God. This, my world is falling apart, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you, God. I'm going to bless you, God. I'm going to believe on you, even though everything else is falling apart. You got to understand when it says treasuring what it means. You see, the word there for treasure is essentially the word that would be used to talk about what you would put in a safety deposit box. You see, if somebody were to break into your home, there are some things you leave out. But there are some things that they got that you can't touch this quality to it, right? Like you, you lock it up. You put a safety deposit box. You, you put it in this place that you preserve it. You're like, everything else can go, but this is the one thing you can't have because this is my treasure. It's the one thing you can't take from me. And you see... She heard something about Jesus in the midst of her worst situation. And she said, I'm going to come back to what I know. And sometimes, even if you know one sentence about Jesus, you worship what you know. You hold on to what you know. You hold on to who you believe, the, the, whatever information you have about him. So, situation is that we ain't gonna have $30,000 coming in, you know what I'm saying? Rain drenched, about to walk into my apartment. I'm about to knock on the door, but I gotta tell my wife, money is not going to be coming, encouragement's gonna be coming in our hearts, you know what I'm saying? So, what do I say, right? And here we are in New York City. We don't know anybody. Like, none, all the, oh, Russell, I knew Russell, I knew Ari, I didn't know anybody, knew Yvonne. That's it. We didn't know it. We didn't know none of y'all, right? We didn't, and we didn't know y'all were coming, praise God. So we didn't know if this was going to work out. We didn't know if the church was going to grow. All it was, it was two of us. It was like two fish, five loaves. That's all we had. We had our kids, us, right? That's all we had. So here I am. I'm at this door soaking wet, and I'm about to walk through the door. And you ever have a moment where you're about to go in, like maybe husbands or whatever, maybe you have roommates, but you're about to walk in and you get yourself right. You get that get right. You're like, okay, let me get let me get myself together because in my head, I was like, I'm going to walk in and be like, you know, baby, um, we ain't got the money, but it's going to work out. But in my heart, I was like, baby, we go, oh, my God, we dying up here. Like, that's what I felt in my heart. We're going to die in New York City with the rats. It was a bad idea. We should have stayed in Atlanta. You're right. You was right. 
Remember when we had a, we had a, listen, we had a five-bedroom house. Praise God. Y'all know what that looks like? Uh, maybe, maybe you live in Long Island. Maybe, maybe we had a five-bedroom house, two-car garage, front yard, backyard. We worked for a church. We had a budget where money, we had, we had money left over to do stuff. Like, I'm telling you, we had a really good life, and we moved here for Jesus, and we had no money. And it was like, I know, Jesus, you're moving. I don't see you moving in my budget, so what? Right? Like, I know, I, I believe you, but I need to believe you here, here. I need, I, need, I need my bank account to change, right? And I knew from the hallway, and as I walked through that door, I knew the circumstance wasn't, wasn't going to change. But I had to believe. And so in that moment, I told myself, God, my plan was to start a church. And my plan is not a promise, but I do trust your promises. And you promised to provide for me. You did not promise me a church plant. You did not promise me fame. You promised, though, you'll provide for my family. So I'm going to take this situation, and I'm going to give it to you. I walked through that door. I said, hey, babe, how you doing? You doing good? You doing good? So crazy what happened today. Remember that church that was going to give us money? They decided they don't want to give money this year. They want to give encouragement. So we're going to be getting some letters um, with encouraging words. She was like, are there checks? Because, you know, some of y'all, some of y'all get, get something and y'all open it up. Like, she's like, are there going to be checks in those letters? And like, no, babe, we don't have it. She's like, what are we going to do? And I just had to be real. I was like, I don't know. But, baby, I, 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 we got to trust God through this. Two weeks later, we got an anonymous check for $15,000. 15, $15,000, not $1,500, $15,000, 0,0,0. And I just remember, I was like, yo. And then we started, we started a Bible study, and people started coming. And what I tell people is, I don't know if we're successful. I don't know if this church is successful. But I was successful before I had success. Because God's my provider. I can trust him. And you are going to come to the edge in 2019, right? Up to the edge between bad and worse and worse. You're going to come right to the edge. And you have a decision to make. Will I crumble? Will I just fall into my addictions? Will I fill the, the room up and my life up with complaining? Will I be angry at God and say, God, if you're so good, why is my situation so bad? And there's health in that. Sometimes it's healthy just to let it out to God. But you've got to know Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in a manger. He was born in the worst of situations. And if he was born in the worst of situations, if the Son of God was born in the worst of situations, that means no matter what the situation, God could still be moving and is still moving. I know it gets worse. I know, and I know some of you, some of your dreams were broken this year. Some of your fears that came alive. But God allowed you to be in that situation to meet him. Anxiety does not define any of us. Worship does. And so, church, life, is hard, but God is good.
And you know that situation with Jesus in the manger? He grew up. He grew up. From what we can tell, when he was 12, his dad most likely died. Joseph, we don't hear about him anymore in the scriptures. And then that one child that was born in a manger would one day go to a cross and he would die for the sins of men. The Calvary Road, he went down. It got worse and it got worse and it got worse. But Jesus would die and he would rise from the dead. And the Bible says, because he descended so low, his name will be above every name and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just want to encourage you, when it gets worse, worship. Oh, when it gets worse and worse, worship, because one day we will be sitting in front of him and we'll be on our knees and we'll be worshiping our Lord and our God. Worship him now. Trust him now and pour out all that fear and anxiety that you're feeling. Because fear, anxiety, worry, and doubt does not define you, but worship does. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. We thank you that Jesus was born in a manger, and we thank you that you will meet us in our manger moment. We will all have a moment where it is worse and worser, worsest. And it will just blow our minds. But God, that moment of the worst was meant for worship. We trust you. We love you. And we're waiting to meet you as your light shines in all the darkness. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.